1: On this episode of the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Lehman, presented by Riverwind Casino, we recap OU's win over Tulane. It, it was not pretty. In the National College Football Roundup, we recap the biggest games from week one of college football. And to finish up, we give you our winners and losers of the weekend. Please download and subscribe to the podcast, Radio Five Stars, and write us a good review. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search Oklahoma Breakdown on any of those, and you'll find us. All right? Our man Michael Hostie will kick this thing off. It's time for the Oklahoma Breakdown. It's a beautiful Monday, September 6th, and you're listening to the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Lehman, presented by Riverwind Casino. Riverwind is Oklahoma City's premier casino experience, and your health and safety are Riverwind's number one priorities. There are so many reasons why Riverwind is consistently voted OKC's number one casino, but it all starts with their amazing variety of gaming thrills and excitement. Riverwind's beautiful, award-winning environment plays host to more than 2,800 of the latest electronic games with a huge selection of table games, including blackjack, blackjack match, roulette, and Teddy's favorite, craps. No matter what your game, Riverwind has it in spades and hearts. And Fridays in September from 6 p.m. to midnight, you can win your share of $80,000 in cash and bonus play in Riverwind's $80,000 blitz and bucks promotion. Drawings are every 30 minutes. If you need help finding your way, just visit riverwind.com. Riverwind Casino, simply the one. Now we're recording this Sunday night. Please leave us a five-star review and a nice comment while you're at it. Happy Labor Day everybody. And Ted, with football season comes more birthday shout out requests. Yes. Happy 40th birthday to Heidi Clark. 40th uh. birthday. In Puerta Vallarta. Nice. Hi. Happy birthday, Heidi.
0: Happy birthday, Heidi. Um, you're slightly older than me. I'm turning forty this year too. It's just,
1: it's brutal, man. What the hell happened? You've you've brought this up a couple of times now. Like when we were at the game on Saturday, you've brought it. You brought it up, then. You brought it when we were. Re- when we were filming the pregame show, like, are you all right, man? Not really. No, I'm not all right. I don't, well,
0: I guess sometimes I feel 40, but it's like I blinked and 10 years of my life have like disappeared somewhere. It's crazy. It goes faster and faster every year. It's got to stop. <laughs> it's got to stop.
1: Well, I I feel like (laughs) happy birthday, Heidi, happy birthday, (laughs) happy 40th birthday, Heidi. I hope you hope that made you feel better on your birthday. Um, speaking of not feeling great about things, Ted. Okay. I feel like every football season, we need to start the first recap podcast with this disclaimer. If you want to hear someone scream and yell, and say that all the kids should lose their scholarships, and say that all the coaches should be fired, you are listening to the wrong podcast. That is not what we're going to do. We watch the film, and we look at it from a critical football perspective. It's never personal. It's not irrational, certainly. It's fair. That is our goal. Watch the film, evaluate it. Be fair, whether that's with praise or with criticism, Ted. I feel like I feel like every year we gotta we gotta remember to get that uh, disclaimer in there before we get rolling. Well,
0: I will say this though: this is just game one. We could, in fact, reach a point at some spot in the season where everyone should give their scholarships back. I mean, we're not there yet, but it is possible to arrive at that point. We're just we're not anywhere close to that yet.
1: <laughs> I. I will say that is a good point. We have not reached that (laughs) critical juncture. Uh, Didn't reach it last season. Uh, Don't think we've quite reached it this season, despite what some OU fans may think about the performance against Tulane, but there is no sugarcoating it. There is no polishing that turd. It was, it was a bad football game for Oklahoma. I mean, it just was. And, Dad, we did it last year. I think it worked pretty well. So you just want to go offense and defense, kind of our yeah. thoughts on both sides of the ball. Let's do it. All right. Let's, let's start defensively because all the hype in the world coming in. What happened? It was they wild. They did force three
0: turnovers, by the way. They did. They, there was a portion of that football game where they played fantastic. Uh, They looked really good. You know, right out of the gate, you know, we come out, offense turns it over, uh, gives them good field position. Defense is like, you know, doesn't even have time to go sit down on the bench and, you know, figure out what's going on. All of a sudden, Tulane's got it like that, and they're out there. That's no excuse, but I expected them to give up some things early in this game. For multiple reasons. Number one, it's it's the first time out the season. You just got to – game speed is different. There's a little bit of trying to have to, to settle in a, a touch, but they never really settled in. It, it's almost like it started bad, they got better, and then it ended horribly. Um, a couple of things that were really interesting were – The safety adjustments. Most of the explosive plays that we saw were poor safety adjustments. Uh, The first touchdown, uh, the little swing play was actually a uh, wait, was that the first one or the second one over there to the left side?
1: Um, Left side. I know you you blame the linebacker on the broadcast. That was the first one. Yeah, that was the first one. Osamoa on the first. I thought
0: it was Osamoa, but that was actually a safety adjustment. That was wrong. Um, the, later, the same thing happened to Deshaun White, but that one was actually on him. But there was, there was a lot of adjustment issues. There was a lot of breakdown issues. And, you know, just talking after the game with, with the coaches, the, the frustrating thing is, you know, you expect to have some stuff like that happen if you see stuff that you didn't practice. And then you got to go over to the sidelines and say, Here, here's how we're going to play this. They practiced all of that. They, what they picked, they dialed in really good. Everything that we saw, they practiced. So that doesn't necessarily make you feel better about it, but.
1: um No, you're right. That makes me feel worse about it. You're right. entirely right. You
0: it, You, you kind of wish you could say, well, they saw some stuff they weren't prepared for. And why weren't they prepared for it? No, no, they practiced all of it. So. They've got to get that locked down at the safety and here's the thing and I know Key Lawrence played some and, and he made a couple of mistakes out there mentally, but Turner Yale and Pat Fields are experienced guys. you know they, they've got to be able to lock those adjustment down, adjustments down and sometimes it's like even if we're wrong, we're all going to be wrong together and be wrong on the same page that way we can mitigate explosive plays. but there was way too much of that going on. I thought the linebackers, honestly, were were just ho-hum. Not a whole lot of playmaking out there. Uh, you know, I thought Asamoah made a couple of nice pursuit tackles, but um, we were kind of on our heels for the most part. The, the good news is the defensive line was as advertised. The defensive line was great. They were. They were in the quarterback's face the entire time winning one-on-ones Benito was winning he won with a stutter he won with the counter Uh, he won with just straight speed same thing with Winfrey Uh, a couple of those guys were were really doing some good things but all in all it it was it was a flat performance it wasn't a very inspired uh, group out there and there was just way too many busts physically athletically I thought they did good. There wasn't a bunch of missed tackles out there. We weren't, you know, uh, laying on the ground, getting cut, getting blocked. There wasn't a whole lot of that. You know, honestly, and I hate to say this is not an excuse at all, but Michael Pratt played his butt off. Other than two really bad fumbles, he played his butt off. And, you know, a, a lot of those are him fitting it into windows Guys making good catches as he's getting absolutely lit up. So I don't know. Um, here's the here's the the thing that I, I kind of take from this football game overall. I think that both offensively and defensively, this exposed a lot of this football team's flaws, whatever they whatever they might be, whether we see them or don't see them. You know adjustments at the safety, um, just an overall grit and toughness of the football team, I think is lacking. Um, just all of these things that, as a as a coach, you harp on day in day out, and guys say, "Yeah, yeah, I got it." You know, we're we're number two in the country. We're top five team. We're gonna win. We've won the conference six times in a row. I got it. I'll, I'll get that on game day. No, no, you won't get that on game day, right? I mean, a game like this exposes it and you can take it in there as awful as it is and show everyone what it actually looks like and where you actually are, despite what you or other people may think of you. This is what we actually are. And it's not that good. That doesn't mean they can't get there, but right now it's just, it's not that good.
1: Yeah, that I, I think that was that was my takeaway. Well, you you mentioned Michael Pratt, and let's also acknowledge like they knocked the shit out of that kid, it destroyed him. <laughs> they destroyed like it lived in the backfield. I know there's the one clip on Twitter going around where Tulane gets like an 11 yard run, and they're moving sideways. They're running to the right, and like everyone's freaking out over it. On social media, it's one play, people. It's not like that's how it went. Through. Go look at the other seventy whatever plays. The defensive line played played it at a decent clip. It's not like Tulane just pushed them around. But Ted, you you mentioned them, their game plan probably exposing some things for Oklahoma. They're going to see a ton of motion the rest of the year. They're going to see a bunch of perimeter runs. The rest of the year, pin pull schemes, outside zone, they're going to make that defensive line move. They're going to make them adjust to all those built-in twist games they have in their run fits. They're going to they're going to format some things to where those those actually have them twisting the wrong direction. Tulane did that to them a couple of times, and they're going to attack the edges of the defense. They are going to make Oklahoma's secondary tackle get off blocks, and tackle. I mean, how many bubbles, edge concepts, quicks did two-lane throw? I mean, it was, it was plenty to recognize that that is going to be a part of this football team that teams are going to attack.
0: Yep. Yeah, well, you know, the good thing about playing a football game like that is you can coach the hell out of it. Like I said, you can look at your flaws, show the team their flaws, and improve on them. The bad thing about a tape like that is you're going to get all of the things that you screwed up. If that's like a a real fatal flaw of your team and of your system and of your players, well, get ready because, you know, Western Carolina is probably not going to be able to take advantage of that but from here on out most teams are going to be able to to hit on a lot of those things they are i mean i got news for you kansas state looked pretty good you know and <laughs> you're going up there again and yeah texas looks pretty good you know it's too early to say what ultimately they're going to be but i guess what i'm saying is the it's the the clock is ticking to improve all of those things i I still feel really good about this defense. I do. I think that they can uh still be a really good unit, be the best unit in the Big Twelve. They've just they've just got to lock things down and whatever it is that they feel like they've they're past, like some of these detail things that I got it, coach, nope, I'm gonna have to lock all of those details down.
1: Yeah. I, I think that was the the most disappointing thing to me we're all the mental busts. Yeah. That is that is something that we didn't see a ton of last year, right? Especially back half of the season. Like that was something that Alex Grinch and that staff, you know, they they would they would give up big plays, you know, just get beat physically, right? Sometimes that happens. It's football. But I I don't remember a game last year at least thinking my God, look at all of these just mental errors that led to big plays. And there were a lot of those on Saturday.
0: Well, you know, here, it, it, this is really cliche, but you make mistakes when you're tired. You make mistakes whenever you're hot, whenever you're cramping, whenever you know, the the odds are stacked against you whenever you're thinking about how hot it is out there and boy you could really use a Gatorade right now and, and a blow breather. Like that kind of goes back to the toughness thing with me. We this isn't a new thing. The second half, fourth quarter to get dominated by teams that were way better than. This is a this is an ongoing problem with this football team. Offensively and defensively.
1: There were guys, starters, that checked themselves out in the fourth quarter. Both sides of the ball. That can't happen. It, just, it it can't happen, man. And I'm not pretending like I was some Billy badass tough guy, but I never pulled myself out of a game. I know that. Yeah, uh, I, I, and it was hot, man. I was sweating my ass off down there, but yeah, I don't know. I, I, I mean, guys I, I taking like the tape, that... taking their wrist tape off. There was 14 minutes left to go in the game. Like saying I'm done. I'm done. I'm out. Wrist tape off. We're done here.
0: I didn't see that. Luckily. <laughs> that's I was That's unbelievable.
1: I was like, okay. All right. Done for the day. All right. One guy got retaped once he realized the game was getting oh, close. Whoa. Got retaped. That, maybe that day, I got the hands retaped to go back in. Oh my god. After taking it all off.
0: But so, you yeah. know what I'm saying though? It's like it's a what, what's the problem? Are we, are we not conditioned? Are, are, are our practices not difficult enough to where we're tested every day physically, you know, uh, to the verge of, of, you know, can I operate under duress? Can I operate uh, under stress physically and mentally, environment, score, uh, weather injury am I every time I get like a little bitty twist on my ankle am I out for three days or do I have to figure out a way to finish through a week of practice whenever I'm not feeling absolutely perfect I mean I don't know the answer to these things I don't I'm just asking the question why does it continue to happen over and over and over against teams that we are far superior to athletically
1: I, I will say this at no point in that game did I watch whether it was the offensive line, defensive line, be like, this team's soft. I never thought that. I didn't. I mean, would you? The guys, when they were on the field, they were competing. So everyone that wants to be, like, oh, they're soft. They're weak, like all that stuff. I, I don't think that's the case. I, it did look to me, I mean, would you watch it mid third quarter? Through the end of the game, just like a, a complete lack of energy on the sideline and on the field, and it clearly showed in the way that they played.
0: Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I and I don't know, I don't know where that comes from.
1: I I don't know what the issue is. What well, I know what Lincoln said, and he said, "Hey, you guys thought this game was over at halftime." And he accepted responsibility, said, hey, that's a, that's on me. I'm the head coach. And, of course, yeah, everything starts with the head coach. That's college football. But that's also bullshit, man. The best teams are player-driven. You know that, and I know that. Yeah. You have to have the leadership within the locker room to where that is not an option. You know, joking around, laughing, halftime. Like, you you, you can enjoy playing the game, but you you better enjoy playing the game. In fact, but it you there there cannot be that sense of relaxation. There just can't, and that that's players. I know Lincoln Lincoln's falling on the sword. He's doing what he's got to do, right? Hey, it starts with me. I'm the head coach. That's players. You know that man. That that's guys saying, hey, we cannot let up. Let's go. Let's go bury them. And that just. I I didn't get that sense from that sideline. I just didn't.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I I, and I don't know. I don't know how you fix that. Well, I mean, I do, but it's it's not it's not an easy. Just uh, we got to we got to play tougher in the second half. We got to finish football games. It's not that easy the players need to be put in that in stressful environment. And I don't know. I don't think that may happen at their practices. And if it does, I don't know that like I can't whenever you can, if you have the ability to check yourself out of a football game, you will, we are lazy to our core. Humans are lazy. We will do whatever possible to do the least amount of work. Right to stress our system the least, if it's okay to say, Hey, give me these last couple of series. I'm smoked, man. I'm, it's hot. I didn't drink enough before the game. I'm cramping. Get me out. If you have the ability to do that, you will, you know, and I I don't know. It's frustrating. I'm frustrated for them because they're way better than that.
1: Game should have never got to the point it did should have never gotten there. And it's on it, it and to me I am I have always been a you know guy that blames the players not the coaches. Right? And I mean there's some scheme things all that kind of stuff where you can blame the coaches okay but like you you have to have leadership on your team to make sure shit like that does not happen. So now let's, let's have fun. Let's get to the offense. <laughs> but first. This has got to be so much money. better. <laughs> yeah. First, Fidelity Bank is a full-service financial institution based in Oklahoma, tailored solutions for all your personal and business needs. Checking accounts, saving accounts, home loans, and much more. They do it all. Whether it's online banking from your computer or mobile banking from your phone, everything is stress-free with FFB. Making mobile deposits, paying bills online, and moving money to different accounts could not be easier. First Fidelity Bank also provides free ATMs worldwide, making banking convenient wherever you are. They also give back to the community. FFB donates a total of more than $500,000 to local charities and educational foundations. Make your life easier and go bank at First Fidelity Bank. Visit FFB.com for more information. And make sure you send your kids to Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School. Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School has a long tradition of educational excellence. With a 12 to 1 student to teacher ratio, no student is overlooked. Bishop McGinnis' college prep curriculum offers 22 AP courses. There are numerous clubs and organizations for students to join. And as a proud member of the OSSAA, there are 14 sports offered. If you want to provide the best possible educational and spiritual development for your children, contact Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School or visit bmchs.org. Financial aid is available. Okay. Got to start with the quarterback, right? Yes. Right? Face of the team, face of college football all things considered i thought this was the worst game he's played in, o- in an ou uniform and that has more to do probably with how well he played last year especially the back end of the season i so so you see the interceptions and that he that should have been a third interception he got bailed out that was not pass interference
0: i well and I- I was saying no on the broadcast before he even threw the football. There's no reason he should have thrown that ball. I I don't know. That
1: was bad. So the interceptions and the one that got called back, luckily, it, it makes it look like his decision-making throughout the entire football game was terrible. It, it wasn't. It wasn't. But the the mistakes he did make were critical. And he didn't just make mistakes in the passing game. He made mistakes in the read-run game as well. Where he should have kept it or he should have handed it. So, I don't know what was up with that because everything we had heard was that his understanding of the system, the way he's seeing defense is like that he had just made a ton of progress. And maybe he has, but it didn't look that way on Saturday. But I, I was, and I was talking about it in the broadcast, Ted, but Cause I'm down on the field last year. I remember him throwing the football, especially late. And I, you you could just see it when you're down on the field level. You're like, God, that guy can rip it. There were very few instances on Saturday where I thought that the ball was humming right with velocity that i had seen from him last year. And so I was just, I was so confused as to why it was that way, why it felt like the football was floating. Now, he had some great touch throws, don't get me wrong, but it just, for whatever reason, it didn't feel like it did last year coming out of his hand. So I I asked around. I asked guys that I trust to go watch the game and tell me what they thought. Guys that have played, the, played quarterback in the NFL, that watch QB tape, Every single day, I said, dude, go watch him. What is it his feet? I feel like it's his feet. And three of the guys I talked to about it say that his mechanics in his bottom half are terrible. Not bad, terrible. His plant leg's locked out and extended when he's planting it. It's going to the side. It's not driving to his target. And one guy actually sent it to me. He goes, This is why every ball looks like it's floating. It's all his feet, and especially his plant legs. So, I don't know who's in charge of mechanics for Spencer Rattler. I don't know if they have, like, a QB mechanics coach, but you got to get it fixed. And this isn't me saying that. These These are guys that evaluate this stuff for a living, saying that. So, I we were trying to figure it out what was up with just the way his throwing motion looked like there were Ted don't give, didn't it feel like something was off with everything he was doing? Yeah. I, yes. He, I've, I've never
0: seen him play with such low energy, lack of enthusiasm. And I've heard people say that, well, it was after the, Caleb Williams touchdown.
1: Oh, spare me.
0: That's what I'm saying is like, could that, I feel like that would energize you more to be like, you want to take me out of the game? Watch this. You know, I, I don't understand that, but I, but at the same time, there was something different. He didn't look good in the running. Anytime he ran the football, it was lethargic. It was, it was slow. He was like, standing straight up and down and getting blasted.
1: I don't know, man. I I, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe something's wrong with that leg. I I don't know, but I thought, and I still think he's going to have a hell of a year. Like I, I do. But when you talk about the expectations for him, that ain't what it looks like. That performance is not what it looks like. And it all starts with the quarterback. Like for this offense to roll with what they have along the offensive line, he's got to be great. Not good, great. So he has to right. iron it out. He has to fix it. They have to, they have to look and and once again, I'm not a quarterback guru. I'm not gonna pretend like I am, but people I trust telling me his mechanics and his lower body stink. I feel like that's something that's got to get addressed. Well, it,
0: it, the offensive line, and I'm sure you're going to get there, but I, oh, they, didn't we'll get a, there. they didn't have a great game, but it's not like – like I would understand if Michael Pratt's footwork was bad as much as he was getting pounded in the pocket every time he let the football go. like I get it if you're not stepping into some of those, but it's not like Rattler – was was protected so horribly like that should be creeping into his mind with his mechanics you know
1: the protection was fine
0: yeah he was skating out to the outside to to free up some some room and it really didn't matter
1: yeah i mean the if you look at the entirety of the game like the pass pass protection was solid mm-hmm. did, did you have some guys get beat yes that's going to happen in every football game it's going to happen. You're going to have guys get beat. It's not going to, you're not going to be 100%. That's not how this game works. But that was just weird. It was just, I don't know how else to describe it. It was, it was just weird. And so was the running game, Ted. And I, I will say this Kennedy Brooks, baby, he's back. It looks good, Ted. Let's, here's some positivity. That man, he looks good. He looks good. It's, it's the he looked crazy, faster it's, to me.
0: Well, he's slimy too. You know, guys had him and just just slip off, and he stepped through him. Um, yeah, I, I thought he looked good. Um, it was interesting. It's did it look to you like they they do two different kind of schemes whenever Eric Gray's in, and when Kennedy Brooks is in?
1: Kennedy like, Brooks has much better vision than Eric Gray.
0: He's, I think he's he's
1: just more patient and. I will say this. Kennedy unfold. Brooks is not very fast. He's not very big. I don't think he's very strong. That dude has – it's like he's got lizard eyes. Like well, <laughs> his, the right can cover the entire right side of the field. The left one can, can cover the entire left side of the field. He has fantastic vision and feel. He does.
0: Well, that that one play uh, when they were going north, and he just waits and then bounce it, bounces it outside – it's, it's like exactly what you're talking about, just to be able to feel like the manipulation of some of those blocks. And there's a decent hole in front of him, but just to wait that extra count and then and bust it outside a gap or two, it's he's impressive, man. He is. I thought all in all, Eric, for for everyone's expectations of what Eric Gray was going to look like, it didn't look that great. I mean, he had a couple of nice moments, but – I don't think you could, you have to like cancel your high expectations on the season for him, but you know, he was,
1: he did some nice things. Right. And first of all, on the QB sneak on the goal line, that guy going and laying him out. Oh, but Lincoln was losing it on the ref for that. And I was trying to figure out, and then I saw the replay and I was like, Oh my God, (laughs) I'd never seen that before. Keep your head on a swivel out there, I guess. Right. I that's why you're (laughs) supposed to go push the quarterback so that no one touch it. Just go push him. I guess that's a new way. Like we're not letting you push
0: the quarterback. Nope. Not happening.
1: So Eric gray did some nice things when he had the ball in his hands. Now he didn't get a ton of touches, but he he's got a gift for making guys miss. I think And going back, I watched a lot of his Tennessee stuff during the off season, man, get him on the perimeter. Right, and they're 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 running some of this stuff where there's. Well, they tried that, the that first play
0: of the game, and <laughs> that didn't work. But yeah, they no. threw that it, play out. Well,
1: Stogner didn't block anyone. That's what happened. <laughs> so I'm talking perimeter runs, outside zone pin pull schemes. You saw him have some success. You want to call it pin pull, down and around, whatever you want to call it. Like he, if he can feel some space and evaluate some things, and stick his. Foot in the ground and make a cut and then get north and south. Like that, that's the type of runner they're doing some things where they're blocking some version of inside zone on the front side, like almost gapping it down on the backside, trying to run behind the guard, like just straight downhill, like almost like a dive concept. And they're handing it to Eric Gray. And it I, I'm just sitting there watching it, scratching my head, going, you know, is this really? setting him up for a ton of success. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I, I will say he was bad in pass protection. I'll watch everything. i watch everything. Yeah. I watch everything. <sighs> he wasn't bad in the assignment portion of things. He knew who he had. He just did not block anybody. He went and just tried to stick a shoulder on him. And I'm telling you right now, if he wants to play in the NFL, he better figure out pass protection. And I can tell you one thing, that is not going to fly with his running back coach because his running back coach is one of the best pass-protecting running backs I've ever seen. Yeah. So you better figure that out or else Kennedy Brooks is going to be getting those fourth-quarter carries all year long like he was against Tulane.
0: Well, and he'll also be getting all the protection snaps too. I mean, I, that's not going to stop. And it's just like I was talking about on defense. If they see that a back is struggling in protection, well, guess what they're going to do? They're going to make him block. They're going to pressure him, put him in the protection scheme where he can't get out. So,
1: yeah. That will happen. Teams are going to bring pressure when he is in the game. After Once again, when you put it on tape, everyone knows. Everyone, There's no hiding, Ted, once it's on the game tape. There is no hiding, and until you correct it, teams are going to attack it. That's how this sport works. Yep. The offensive line. There's an old saying in football, Ted. It's never as good as it seems, and it's never as bad as it seems. And I'm here to tell you, it is. It was not as bad as it seems. There were good moments right? Tyrese Robinson played really well for three quarters. And then I think he got tired. He had some mental busts. I was grading it, grading the tape. I was like, dang, he's having a good game. And then he got worn down. I even thought Robert Conjil, he's got some, he's got some athletic limitations. I'll tell you right now that kid plays hard. I can ride with that kid. He plays hard and he's no he knows what he's doing too. I thought Chris Murray it's just when you when you have so many double minuses and double minuses for you that don't know penalties, mental mistakes, it kind of kills all the good you do. He had some moments, man. He's knocking the shit out of guys. He's looking like the most physical player on the entire field. His footwork's good. His hand placement is good. He just you have to cut out those mental errors because those those mental errors kill drives. It they kill momentum. You can't have pre-snap penalties. You just can't you can't have them. So he did some good things, but it just all those good things get erased by some big errors. Andrew Raym, he's going to be just fine. Kid, hadn't practiced in you know, 10 days or whatever, got one practice before the game. Still not feeling great. He went out there, he played hard. He's going to be a good player. I, I feel really good about what he is going to be eventually. Marquise Hayes was the most disappointing to me. Huh? Him and Harrison are close. Close for most disappointing. Marquise Hayes played the worst game I've seen him play in a long time. He wasn't his normal physical self. He wasn't talking any shit like he always does. I don't know if it was the heat. I I don't know what it was. That was a very uncharacteristic game for him. And maybe it was the heat. And I know that, you know, he was talking to trainers throughout the, throughout the game. So I, I, I don't know what it was, but, it's got to be better. I know one thing. He's going to be very upset when he sees what he put on tape. Very upset.
0: Let me ask you a question. Was conjul good enough to where Rame may be looking at some guard? I
1: like, think that all of the that options may- yeah. are open currently. Beanbow he doesn't despise anything more than mental errors. And Murray had a lot of them. And while conjual sometimes, and I think he's got good strength. Like he, he showed pretty good anchor sometimes just, he gets a little far forward with his weight in the run game. Sometimes I think it's just like, he doesn't have great athleticism in general, but plays hard, knows what he's doing. That
0: gets you a long ways.
1: Plays hard, knows what he's doing. That, you'll, you'll find yourself on the field if you play hard and you know what you're doing. Now, if Chris Murray can iron out the mental errors, then you're feeling really good. He's good in protection. Now, he's it, his arms aren't going to get any longer. He's not going to get any taller, right? But he he does some really good stuff. I mean, he really does, but this is... I And I've, I, I'm... I'm trying my best not to be too hard on Anton Harrison. He's a young player. He's a young player. And, you know, he, he, he got some time last year. He was in the rotation, right? We saw him playing some games. And I was expecting a big jump this season. He's got all the talent in the world. All the talent in the world. I was watching him in warm-ups. I was like, oh, man. That guy looks good in a jersey. Look at 71. Sal, he's wearing 71. It looks amazing on him. He's out of that trash-ass 50 number he was in last year. <laughs> like, oh, he's looking good. And if you wear 71 in Oklahoma, there's some history with that number now. Yep. Like you, You better play well. And he is not strong enough. He can't anchor, and he does not play hard. I am fine. Like, if you don't have strength, okay. Once again, he's young. He's long, long levers. Like, it it takes a while to build strength with a frame like that. It does. It's a process. There is no excuse for not playing hard. That's a problem. And I went through play after play and wrote double minus. L-O-E, Ted. Any guess? Lack of effort. Yes. That cannot be that, that, that cannot happen. And I can tell you this, I would not be shut. Like, cause Beanbow's watching the same thing we watched. He will not put people on the field that do not play hard. So Harrison's got to figure it out, man.
0: Do you, um, Swinson saw a little bit of time. He played some guard too, right? Yeah. Um, I'm trying to, we didn't see one. Morris, right? Nope. Shocked. We didn't see him at all.
1: Banged up. I didn't feel very good about him putting him out, you know, missed so much practice. Didn't feel very good about putting him out there. Uh, he warmed up and everything look, looked good and warm ups, moving well. So. I don't know, man, but I can tell you one thing. He's going to get a chance after what 71 put on tape against Tulane. Bird? Bird. If, if he continues to string good practices together, every job is open. Every job. After what I just watched and that's how it's got to be, man. When you play together and they played a lot of what I like to call four-man football. Remember, there's five on the offensive line. When you play four-man football, that means one guy a lot of the time is the one messing everything up. They played way too much four-man football. And it, it, it's got to be better, man. If they want to reach their goals, like this can't be like, oh, we'll do, get better. No, no, no. There has to be a sense of urgency. I mean, an extreme sense of urgency. I, and and we're not going to learn anything against Western Carolina. No, we're not going to learn anything. So we'll, we'll see what it looks like against Nebraska. We'll see. Well, that was fun. That was positive, right?
0: Yeah. Vincent, what'd you think of him?
1: How do you He's not athletic. But he knows what he's doing, and he plays hard. I'll take those guys, man. Hey, yeah. uh, I. Everyone wants the athletic guys, the highly recruited guys on the field. I understand that. But if they continue to make mental mistakes, m- mental mistakes, and they continue to not play hard, they're gonna be standing over on the sideline with me, man.
0: <laughs> I, I explain that to me though. How? Beanbo is not a. He's not one of the easier coaches to practice for. Uh, he's he's hard on practice. Right? He's. He expects a lot out of his guys. How? Wh- why would?
1: Wh- how does that happen? Is what I'm asking. I, I don't I, know. That's why. As I was watching it, I was like, "What? What is happening? It was hot." played a lot of plays, right? 70 something plays. That's up there. Yeah. But Tulane was playing the same amount of plays in the same condition. I I yeah. don't know, man. It was it was odd. Uh, let's talk about something positive. You're making me sad. <laughs> Mario Williams looks like he's going to be good. He does.
0: And also not only is he going to be good, but he's probably going to lead it it looks like he may lead the team in touches this year. I mean, they're going to force him the ball, whether it's uh, bubbles, reverses, quicks. Like Most of the balls that he caught were not, like, go through my progressions and throw the football. It was like, this ball's going to Mario Williams when we snap it. It's a predetermined thing. I think that's a good sign.
1: Yeah. I, I think with his quickness, explosiveness, he's going to become a bigger and bigger piece of the offense. Mims is still fast. I'm glad he's not in the hospital after that slant late in the game.
0: (sighs) Do we get out physical by Tulane?
1: There was one team that was hitting harder than the other one. (laughs) And they were wearing sky blue. Even the quarterback for Tulane was tough, man. Yeah. We did get after him though. They uh, hit him so many times.
0: So many times and so hard. Um it was a good it's a it's a physical football game, but
1: we were lucky to win that game. Okay. I cannot t- during the broadcast when we're on live on the radio, I cannot talk to you. Like, just get in your ear. <laughs> but I wanted to so badly when they had the ball with a chance to go win the game. I wanted to get in your ear and be like, dude, are they about to lose this game? I
0: felt okay about our defense, like our D-line stepping up because for whatever reason, we've been in that mo- that that type of situation several times, it's like, we haven't got to stop at all. Like, Why would we now? And somehow we get it. Somehow they get that stop. Um, and the defense finally took the field with some anger. You know, like, we got to go win this thing. But even that onside kick was perfect.
1: <laughs> you know? That's <laughs> just like. Kick the spinorama. Oh, my God. That was an awesome onset kick. It really was. It was I was like, "Oh my
0: god!" <laughs> and we're so, we were so on our heels at that time, like everyone on the sidelines, so worried about losing it that you don't just go get the football. You're like, "Oh my god, am I going to drop it?" And yes, you will. It was
1: crazy. Okay, let's get to uh, the call your shot stuff, Ted. Let's bring some positivity. We <laughs> asked for for the number one takeaway from the OU two lane game from you guys. And I went and found a couple ones, Ted, just because I knew that I I had a hunch how our recap was going to go. This comes from Will Riley on Twitter, who says, you know, that letdown game OU has every year where they lose a game. They shouldn't. What if this was the letdown game, but they still won undefeated season ahead. We want Georgia
0: here's the thing it is not about how good you look in week one that's not it it's how much can you improve the championship goes to the team that improves the most but let's be honest some teams are starting in a little bit different spot like Alabama uh, from the rest of us let's hope they don't improve but there's teams that come out and are slow to start and This we tend to be a slow starting football team and it takes us till unfortunately late in the year to really hit our stride and hopefully we get a wake up call early and we're able to to really make some big leaps as a football team in the coming weeks, because again, it's not about what you look like in week one, although it's nice to look good in week one in the grand scheme of things, that's not going to
1: be what matters. Right. Okay. The other one comes from Ryan Heil on Twitter. He said, Gabe Burkich has a cannon for a leg and will help OU win more games this year before he gets drafted. I've already uh, mentally prepared myself that Gabe Burkich is going to get drafted when I didn't. I'm already, I already know that's going to happen. That was pretty sweet. He, he buried the 50 yarders, but then he missed the short one. What the hell, Burkich?
0: I don't know. I, that post game interview with you and Plank is a treasure.
1: If you haven't seen it, go find it. It. He is he is a unbelievably goofy dude, like unbelievably, <laughs> but he can kick the bloody piss out of a football.
0: Oh wow! I just I didn't even know how to respond after hearing that in the post game. I was just like. <laughs> I don't know if he's high. I don't know. I don't know what's going on, but that was something. It's I worth a listen.
1: Take my mind off football. Just take my mind out you of said, th- now I've got questions. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's get to the national, fo- na- national College Football Roundup. But first, do you own a business? If you do, you need Insurica in your life. Insurica is one of the country's largest insurance brokers with 30 offices throughout Oklahoma, Texas, and the Southwest. Insurica is able to customize programs by accessing the latest information for many insurance carriers. They compare and contrast coverage offerings and pricing in order to design a cost-effective, comprehensive program to meet your business's specific needs. Insurica's clients become best-in-class businesses by working with Insurica's team of advisors to manage risk. Purchasing insurance is only one way to protect your business. Best-in-class businesses win by avoiding loss in the first place. If your business partners with Insurica, you'll save huge amounts of money and take back control of your total cost of risk. I'm an Insurica client and you should be too. If your business wants to be best in class, connect with Insurica at Insurica.com. That's I-N-S-U-R-I-C-A.com. And guys, summer is here and you know what that means. It's hard seltzer season, baby. And there's only one hard seltzer that we drink on this podcast. And that is Will and Wiley hard seltzer from Coop Aleworks. It's perfect for any occasion. We drink it by the pool, at the lake, and at the tailgate. It's made in Oklahoma and it is absolutely Delicious. Will and Wiley is customized for the Oklahoma lifestyle. Go find it right now in a store near you, and go follow them on social media at, at Will and Wiley. Perfect for Labor Day. May I add? Okay. National College Football Roundup: Georgia ten, Clemson three, in what can only be described as a boring football, boring football game. Teddy, I don't want to hear defensive struggle. Ugh, it was boring. I bet um, you loved this game.
0: even I was waiting on something to happen but I, I pretty much gave up. I, I didn't think that Clemson was going to be able to get anything on Georgia's defense and um, you know give, both defenses looked really good. I thought Clemson's defense looked great as well. Um, you know I, good football game but not a lot of action from the offenses. I am a bit worried about Clemson's offense, but it, it's it's kind of hard to judge, right? I even even Georgia, it's hard to judge off of what we saw there because I think those are two elite defenses, two top five defenses. But even so, you would think that they would still be able to move the football some. Because I got news for you, Alabama would be able to score on those two de- defenses. I don't I'm not gonna sit here and say they're scoring 45 points, but they're gonna move the football, they're gonna put it in the end zone, they're gonna they're gonna hit some deep balls on you. So I they're gonna have to figure something out to generate some offense.
1: Yeah. If if OU fans are mad at OU's offensive line, I can only imagine what Clemson pants are thinking. Oh my dude, that offense they could not block Georgia. Nope. And George's defensive line, uh, their defense. Dude, they dialed up so much pressure. I mean, brought it. Linebackers coming all game long. They dominated the line of scrimmage. They dictated the entire game. Clemson's running backs had 24 yards rushing. If you factor in sacks, which I still don't understand why college football does that. It makes no sense. Nope. Clemson had two yards rushing total. I I don't even know if we can judge DJ Uyunglele off this performance because he got sacked seven times. He was under an unbelievable amount of pressure. Yeah, he made mistakes. The pick six, Dabo said it wasn't even his fault. So I'm going to take Dabo's word for it. Uh, Justin Ross ran the wrong route.
0: When do you think the last time two top five teams played played in a football game and neither offense
1: scored a touchdown. I have the 70s is my guess. <laughs> Isn't that
0: crazy though? Yes. Neither offense generated a touchdown. That's insane.
1: I I cannot tell you as an o-lineman, I cannot tell you how miserable it was to watch this football game for me. Like it it, in Georgia ran it decently, right? I I mean, mean, but watching those two defensive lines kill the quarterback, watching those defensive lines just wreck both O lines, and there just no points being scored. I was like, this is (laughs) this this is is awful. I mean, J T. Daniels in the Georgia offense, they didn't do hardly anything at all. They just didn't mess it up. They didn't mess up what Georgia's defense was doing. They didn't turn it over. They didn't give Clemson the ball. Or I guess he did turn over, but they didn't make any catastrophic errors to get in their defense's way. I was like, oh, my god!" All we got to do
0: is not score on ourselves, and we'll win this thing.
1: <laughs> that defense from Georgia is I, – I get the sense, and this may not be fair, I get the sense that OU fans thought that OU's defense was going to look the way that Georgia's did. Yeah. I, I hate to tell people this. OU does not have the type of D lineman Georgia's got. That's just the reality of it. You go, go look at the heights and weights. Perry on Winfrey's like 290 pounds. Jordan Davis weighs like forty more pounds than him, and moves. It's like, I mean, that's that's a big difference. I can tell from experience, like two ninety versus three thirty. That's a big difference. Yeah. So when you're watching Georgia's defense, and you're like, "That's what OU should be," maybe take a look at the personnel. I'm just saying. Let's let's be a little more re- realistic about things. Speaking of more realistic, let's talk about Alabama. Oh, man. Bama 44, Miami 13. Some people thought it was impossible or unlikely is probably the best way to put it for Bama to replace all the talent they lost. Those people were wrong because Alabama looked head and shoulders above everyone else in college football on Saturday. And it wasn't particularly close. Like, George's defense looked great, but as I watched Bama's offense, as I watched Bryce Young look like the best quarterback in the country in his first start. best. Po- I, I'm going to ask you this
0: question because I almost feel bad saying it myself. I just want to make sure that maybe I'm not the only one out there. Is he the it's, – it's really early, but is he the best one that they've had?
1: He set all kinds of records with that performance. It's not like they were playing just a team of scrubs. They're playing Miami. He's got some pretty good
0: players. They got NFL guys there. Uh, Just the way he moves.
1: Composure, man.
0: He's got composure. He's got great touch.
1: He can rip it too.
0: I know. I I know. He's, he is. I mean, the deep over (laughs) to
1: the Jamison Williams kid that
0: went to the house. I had, to, I had to rewind it several times because I kept thinking he's throwing that ball about 40, 45 yards in the air, but he's throwing it as soon as he catches it. How is that receiver that fucked down the field that fast? I mean, he was flying, and he did not break stride. He couldn't have dropped it in there better.
1: Just a reminder, that guy transferred from Ohio State to Alabama. It's just what really Ohio State? You couldn't you couldn't use that guy.
0: Here's the thing, though. <laughs> if there's a silver lining, I think Georgia, Clemson, Ohio State, uh, Oregon, Notre Dame, which I haven't I haven't seen what that score is right now, but I think everyone is totally beatable depends on where everyone goes, right? Because it's the same thing for them. It's not about what you look like week 1. How much better can you get by by the time we're talking about semifinal football? But uh, I other than Alabama, I didn't think anyone looked unbeatable out there.
1: I'm with you. I'm with you in the the thing about OU, like the mistakes are they're easy to fix. Like the mental errors, like that's easy to fix. It's not like they just got pushed around by Tulane like that's that's not what happened You just went the wrong places a lot let me ask you something
0: why does Alabama show up week one
1: because they're terrified of Nick Saban next question
0: that's what I'm saying though why it, it the proof is right there that you can you could still coach that way and I know he's got all of the hardware behind him that backs up and reinforces that. And the players are there and the whole system is there. But I, I just, I don't know why
1: no one else. You know, this man, nothing creates buy-in like results. And for every single guy that walks into that building, Nick Saban can point to those trophies and point to all those signing bonuses that his guys have gotten and say, if you do it my way, this is what you end up with. And it's, what is a kid supposed to say to him? Like, it's his way or you don't play. Like, that's that's it. You Remember the speech he gave about Billingsley, the tight end? You got to yeah, practice the right yeah. way. You got to yep. play hard. You got to do what you're supposed to do when you're supposed to do it. You're supposed to be where you're at when you're supposed to be there. If you don't do that, you don't play. That's one of the most talented tight ends in the country. That guy would start anywhere in the country. And he was like, yeah, he's not going to play for me because he doesn't do what he's supposed to do like that. That's Nick Saban, man.
0: But every other coach in the country is scared to say that. Every other coach in the country I say every other that's not the, that's not the case I guess i'm I'm generalizing everyone there but I guess we've 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 totally lost the ability to be even a tiny bit critical of of a football player of a college football player publicly with the media I don't and I think it's I, I don't know I don't know here the whole reason I'm asking this is He's got the most talented football team. He's also got the most detail-oriented football team. That's a horrible combination for everyone else because if you're not as talented, you have to say, like for Oklahoma, if we're playing Alabama today, you have to say, we can't out-talent them. We have to show up and beat them with details, beat them with discipline, beat them with effort, with, uh, with, with all of the intangibles. But the problem is they're better at the intangibles than they are the talent, probably.
1: He's the best coach ever. Yeah. For a reason. Best college football coach ever. And he's best buddies with the best NFL coach ever who approaches it in a very similar way. <laughs> right. I know everyone wants to feel good about themselves, and I say this all the time. I don't think anyone got more out of me than Kevin Wilson. And I hated that man. You know, when people say, Hey, it's not personal. He was the opposite of that. It was very personal. The insults were very, very personal, but it was so annoying and upsetting that it made you not want to have to deal with it. And if you played well and you played hard and you put good stuff on tape, you had to deal with it less.
0: Yeah. That's, that sums up exactly my uh, college experience with Brent Venables. <laughs> there's something to it, man. Psychotic. He's calmed down so much, man. It's it's crazy. But there's there's definitely something to it. I mean it's uh I don't know I always tell everyone to go watch the oh, gosh I always forget the name of it the movie about the the jazz drummer have you seen oh, it
1: Oh uh gosh with, with Okay the, ball the guy. guy Yes we're going to get this we're
0: to, That's in the Allstate commercials right Is yes. that the
1: commercial I can't remember okay So I can't remember either actor Miles Teller is the drummer guy uh-huh. and it is called I've seen the movie and that the other actor got nominated for the Oscar and it is called, it's not rush. That's not right. It is called whiplash
0: it, whiplash. That's yes. Right. That movie is m- my life as a college football player. That is it. That is exactly how I was coached exactly like that. To, exactly. And there was even the point at the end whenever he's like, You see how you're like, that's it. That's why I've been on you like that. Like that, it, it's <laughs> some guys <laughs> cannot handle it. Like, and I get it because it pushes you to the very edge of quitting like over and over and over. And I feel like Sabin does that to the entire staff, players, everyone around the program. It was good to
1: see Derrick King back out there. Yeah. Uh, I don't think he had a very fun time.
0: <laughs> That's tough, dude. We talked about it, you know, coming back that quickly from ACL. He's not that far along with it, and that is not the team you want to play whenever you're first getting back out there.
1: Yeah, Will Anderson and that Bama defense were getting after him all game long. There's just just a dominant performance from Alabama. Okay, Penn State, 16, Wisconsin, 10. Ted, we both picked the Badgers, and I'm here to tell you we were right. <laughs> How they lost this game is beyond me, man. I mean, they, the time of possession, Wisconsin, in a 60-minute in a game, had the ball for 43 minutes, and they lost, which is incredibly hard to do. It's almost impossible. They they ran it efficiently. The crowd at Camp Riddell, like was fantastic. Jump around, everyone saw the video. It was insane. The atmosphere was unbelievable. And when it mattered, Graham Mertz kind of sucked. And I actually thought Sean Clifford, especially in the second half, like he was solid. Right? Yeah. They threw it well in the second half. But this all came down. To Wisconsin's inability to execute in the red zone and at the goal line. Now you've got to give Penn State's credit, the Penn State's defense credit. Ted, like I understand that it's it's not like they didn't force Wisconsin to make mistakes, but Wisconsin had four trips into the red zone that they came away with no points, zero points on four trips in the red zone, like that's hard to do. And I think like three of them, they were inside the 10. Just to let you know, that
0: game alone will probably, this is how rare that is. That game right there will probably make Penn State the number one red zone defense in college football for the entire season. That's how rare that is. For someone to get into the red zone and not get any points at all. And you do it four times in one game. (laughs) Like, I guarantee that no one is anywhere close to that defensively right now in the statistics.
1: But when I watched that game, you know, DVR'd it, ended up watching the whole thing. Like, at no point was, like, thinking that Penn State was the better team. (laughs) I I mean, I just, I was like, yeah, Wisconsin, they're controlling things. Yeah, they're going to put points on the board. Here we go. And they just got down there again, and Mertz made a mistake, and then there was a fumble, and then there was another – and I was like, oh, game's over. Wow. (laughs) I mean, it was just – it's a weird game. That's a tough loss for Wisconsin, man. They should have won the game. Should have won it. Thank God I I didn't bet actual money on that game, or else I'd be furious.
0: Yeah. Uh, I don't think either one of those teams – I could be wrong about this, but I don't think either one of those teams are a threat to Ohio State.
1: I don't think so either.
0: I think Ohio State is, I think they're going to improve quite a bit off of what we saw Thursday night. Uh, C.J. Stroud got dropped into an absolute hornet's nest in Minnesota, right? That crowd, the way they played most of that game for your first start, that was tough. And they got it together. Separated. I thought for the most part he was good. He got better as the game went on. I think Ohio State's going to end up being a really good football team. I think what we saw out of both Wisconsin and Penn State is going to kind of be
1: what you see all year. the The only thing I'll say about a Wisconsin matchup with Ohio State,
0: it'll look. They may be like able to Minnesota. run it right at him, like yeah. just
1: right at him. I was not impressed with the o- Ohio State's defensive line. That's supposed to be maybe the best defensive line in the country. don't get me wrong, they did some good things against Minnesota and Minnesota's got some beef on that whole they line. Do. but I've Minnesota. Never seen that.
0: I wanted to ask you about that. Minnesota, and I know they had the extra offensive lineman out and they were doing unbalanced stuff. but even in a standard like two by two 10 personnel pass protection, their left and right tackle would change spots just randomly throughout the game.
1: Have you ever seen that before? Yeah, high school, duh. <laughs> People do it all the time. And <laughs> Kawita. No, I don't. That that right tackle is a mountain it's like of four hundred
0: pounds. Being. Right?
1: He's huge. huge. That was a good game, but all right, last game. This one may be the most depressing. Texas 38, Louisiana 18. I, I'm upset that I was right. Texas looked good, man. I mean, what a start for Sark. Other, they gave up that one long touchdown run in the third quarter. Other than that, I thought they did a good job of controlling the line of scrimmage against Louisiana, especially against their run game. Uh, They made that offense with Levi Lewis one-dimensional. I I think Louisiana had to throw it more than they wanted to throw it. Hudson Card looks pretty good. Moves well. Got some serious velocity on the ball. Uh, They they did a solid job protecting him. Uh, He made quick decisions for the most part. Thought he did a good job getting the ball out of his hand. Jordan Whittington, finally healthy looked like the player they've always expected him to be. And, Ted, it, it, it turns out that if you give B. John Robinson the football, good things happen.
0: Well, ran for over 100 with a touchdown and caught four balls with a touchdown for 73 yards. Yeah, um, they look good. Kind of what I, I expected from that offense was to – we're, we're so used to the – Ellinger show where absolute, absolutely everything is generated through him. He's the running game. Obviously, he's the passing game. They get a lot of empty and just kind of let him uh, look at matchups. It's going to be different. They're going to spread the ball around and let their playmakers go out and make plays. And uh, defensively, that was, a, that was a scary hire whenever uh, Sark brought in his defensive coordinator. Did great stuff at Washington. Uh, and they look, they look like they were prepared and in a good spot. They played well in their opener, man. Give them credit.
1: Yeah. Kwekowski How could they was possibly Dallas. do
0: that in a hot football game? How could they play play well?
1: On turf in Austin, Texas. How about that? Hmm. And I will say this. I uh, I watched a lot of the stuff they were doing defensively, you know, rewinding and watching it again. Kukowski's got some stuff now, man. Yep. Yeah. I mean, late disguise, super late rotation, pressure packages. It's hard to see. So multiple with the fronts and everything. I mean, it looked different on the defensive side of the ball. It looked a lot more clean, looked a lot more advanced. So I was, and I'm not trying to, you know, pick on any of the recent defensive coordinators of Texas, but when I watch a game, you know, I'm, I'm looking at how the defensive reacts to to defense reacts to what the offense does motion shift, all that kind of stuff. And it's not like Billy Napier is some chump of a play caller, man. Yeah. So I was, I was pretty impressed. That was a pretty fun chess match to watch between those two guys, but it was, it, it certainly got my attention.
0: Yeah. They look good. Give them credit. They look good. Um, they showed up ready to play in a tough opener and uh, they got Arkansas coming up too. So if, if they continue to look like that and improve by the time we play, they're going to be a good football team. We'll see though.
1: Yeah. It could all get derailed if they go lose in Fayetteville. Absolutely. So cool. I... Well, that's the one
0: thing I've always said about Texas. They cannot handle success. Anytime they go play well, it's like, whoo, we made it, baby. Yeah. And then it's just, it all
1: falls apart. Yeah. We'll see if the, uh, the Sark era is different. Yeah. I'm very interested in that Arkansas game. Okay. Let's get to our winners and losers of the weekend. But first, are you unhappy with the surface around your pool? Are you not pleased with your patio? Soft rock specializes in installing safe rubber surfacing for pools, patios, gym floors, and other outdoor spaces. Softrock's Rubber Safety Surfacing provides a long-lasting surface that is impact and slip resistant, fully customizable and virtually indestructible. Local business owners Heidi and Cody Clark are avid OU fans that are driven to help you with all of your pool and patio surfacing needs. Visit softrock.com/okc, that's s o f t r o c.com/okc for more information. The Clarks also own the Driveway Company the Driveway Company has tailored solutions to eliminate all of your driveway problems. They can repair cracks, clean and seal your rotting grass filled joists to prevent water damage, ultimately saving you thousands of dollars in future repairs. Visit slash OKC for all of your driveway repair needs. Learn more about SoftRock and The Driveway Company by visiting their Facebook and Instagram pages or by calling 405 294 9834. And if you're looking to buy or sell a house, in the OKC metro area, I just used the Ronaldo Cloud Group to sell my old house and it was so easy and stress-free. Station Ronaldo and Maddie Cloud are with Sage Sotheby's International Realty. They believe in prompt communication, an honest relationship, and a luxury service, and that's exactly what they gave me. You can reach them by emailing Stacia at stacia at sagesher.com. That's S-T-A-C-I-A at S-A-G-E-S-I-R.com. Or you can contact them on Instagram at at sold by Stacia and at sold by Maddie underscore. You will not regret using them as always, Ted, kick us off. Who do you have as your winner of the weekend?
0: I had to just go with college football fans in general. Some of the atmospheres we saw out there were just amazing it started with Minnesota on Thursday night. Then the Friday Virginia Tech North Carolina game was awesome. The inner Sandman, that was great. Texas A and M with the red, white, and blue. The jump around at Wisconsin. It was so cool to see college football back in a in a real way. Not just playing the games, but to see the fan interaction. It was awesome. I loved seeing that. It it that's the real. That's the first time it really felt like we're back to normal at least somewhat here seeing some of these these college football atmospheres.
1: Yeah, I that, that's one thing we didn't talk about when it cut when it comes to the OU two lane game. everything about that atmosphere was weird. It was odd.
0: I was surprised that there weren't more
1: people there. as was I.
0: Even uh, even knowing that it was a, a quick turnaround I, okay. what
1: do we do, but and it yeah, it had nothing to do with like the operations of city. Am I the only one that expected the entire lower bowl to be full? No. I
0: I absolutely thought it was gonna be the entire lower bowl full. I was shocked. I, I get it. I mean it's it was a it was a late deal. It was a holiday weekend where people have plans. All of that said, I'm still shocked. For a $30 ticket, 50 I guess, if, what, you weren't a season ticket holder, that's still I, – I thought it was going to be absolutely slammed with the uh, lower bowl.
1: The, <laughs> the energy level of the team
0: <laughs> reflected
1: the, the energy level – in the stadium (laughs) I I think that's and that's the thing if you don't think it's a thing you're wrong it's definitely a thing but yeah that was surprising I was surprised
0: get ready because I it's probably going to be similar against Western Carolina I mean I think there'll be more people there obviously because it's a it's one that we've known is going to be here for a long time but I wouldn't expect you know, OU fans to be tearing down the house at 6 o'clock kick against Western Carolina, and it's going to be hot as hell. The What I saw today was hotter than Saturday. Now, maybe it's going to be drier or something. I don't know. It's going to be 6 o'clock, so maybe it feels cooler, but it's going to be hot again.
1: Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> All right, who do you have as your loser of the weekend?
0: I had to go with this stupid, uh, taunting celebration penalty. If someone is returning an interception or a kickoff or a long run, whatever it may be, and they turn around and taunt whatever, do their thing, there's no way you should be able to take that play away you can't do it right what am i missing how is it, that possible
1: it's a stupid rule you should just if you're gonna call taunting it should be tacked on to the kickoff yes you can't to erase- him he gave him the peace sign at the two it will be a 15 yard penalty from the two yard line first out. like that's the dumbest thing ever is there is there a familiar that. like that is there a specific instance you're thinking of that you saw well I
0: saw the East Tennessee State 99 yard intercept was against
1: Vanderbilt. In case uh, in case you're wondering what kind of problem Teddy and I have when it comes to watching <laughs> college football, he was watching ETSU versus Vandy clips. <laughs> Good God, man. Well, I was just
0: I can't you can't do that. It's kind of the same thing for me is calling a fair catch on the eight-yard line and getting the ball in the 25. You can't do that. It doesn't It doesn't work with the way that the game flows and the way the game's made. You can't eliminate a play that happened legally. You can't wipe it. You just can't do that. It's not the way things work. I hate that penalty. Uh, hey, guys should play by the rules. I get it. But that rule is stupid. Change the rule.
1: I'm with you. That is stupid. Very, very stupid. I've never really thought of that. That's a really bad rule. Yeah, you can't
0: you can't do stuff like that. They should eliminate that. They should eliminate the stupid punt rule where everyone can release downfield, and they should eliminate the fair catch, and you get the ball in the 25. That is a dumb... I, any coach that fair catches a kickoff on the 10-yard line should be fired, should be fired from their job. If you can't get it to the 25 from the 10, that's a problem. If you get a miscellaneous touchdown in a game, you have like a 99% chance of winning the football game. You're never going to get a kick return for a touchdown when you fair catch it on the 10. I hate it. stupid. I saw Ohio state doing it against Minnesota. Why you have, 11 guys on the field that are all better athletes highly recruited better than Minnesota make them tackle you it's frustrating as hell you done yeah that you was sure? always that was a long way just to get back to the uh, fair catch thing <laughs> everything I do is to get back to the fair catch on the kickoff
1: your favorite rule in all of college football okay for my winner of the weekend. Ted thought about going with my man. Max Verstappen wins his home race, the Dutch Grand Prix on Sunday. And honestly, it was boring. It was a little boring. There, there was no drama. He, it, it never really felt like Lewis Hamilton or Botas was threatening Verstappen. He was too fast. Even Lewis Hamilton said it on the radio. He's like, he's so fast. But a so they could have just ran win. two
0: laps and gave him the victory and saved everyone all the time like they did last week.
1: Yeah, they did not do that. Weather was good. <laughs> Weather was good, sunny day. But yeah, Verstappen, there was a little bit where you know he, you know, he pitted, he was behind a little bit. But they do this cool thing where they they're keeping track of the intervals and they tell you when Verstappen is gonna pass the guy. <laughs> That's in front of him. They'll be like, he'll pass him in two laps, and then the second lap comes around, and then whoop, there he goes. And you're yeah, like, oh, thanks no. for ruining
0: the uh, the drama for me. Is he the one that announced his retirement at the end of the year? No, 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 no. Okay, no, no, no. someone, oh. some big name that everyone was kind of shocked
1: by announced. I've noticed there's a lot of retiring and then unretiring in Formula One. Nice, like Fernando Alonso. I feel like he's retired like six times, and I've only been watching the sport for like two days. How about that? It's like, oh, he's back. Oh, yeah, he wants to make millions and billions of dollars driving a car. Yeah, I'd I'd want to come back, too.
0: So they got the Brett Favre issue in Formula One
1: as well, huh? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But my winner of the weekend, Chip Kelly. And I will say this, that visor he's got on, Rumor has it, and I did not confirm this with Brad camp. Rumor has it that Jordan was having, you know, everyone's having supply chain problems, right? Rumor has it was that UCLA reached out to OU and that that possibly could be an OU visor he's wearing that just has a UCLA logo on it. I'm just saying it's a rumor. Hmm. Rumor. Like they have the visors and they put the OU logo on it. I was told that maybe some of those blank visors were sent to Chip Kelly and that he's actually wearing a visor that was housed within the Oklahoma facility. I don't know I if it's fun. true or not, but I'm choosing yeah. to believe that it is. Huh. Good luck, visor chip. Keep it right. Fascinating. Rolling. But I,
0: if I knew that those were going to Chip Kelly, I would have charged him an arm and a leg for them.
1: I wonder if they did. Hope they no, did. Probably not. <laughs> but. That's a nice win for it UCLA, is. and there was nothing fluky about it, man. Yep. Bruins were the better team in the trenches. They pushed LSU around, and that UCLA defensive line played well. They they played well. They got after Max Johnson, man.
0: How did I not put UCLA down on my uh, college football wins? How about that atmosphere? That place was jammed, dude. That was there awesome. There were people in the stands. They had seven people at their opener and they had that thing completely full against LSU.
1: (laughs) I saw some... uh, I will say this about LSU fans. They can drink, man. (laughs) I saw tweet after tweet from different LSU fans. It's like, we were just informed that our section is now out of beer. (laughs) The game hadn't started. Oh, wow. And they were... The Rose Bowl, I guess, was already running out of beer. I was like, Damn, these people, like they, they, they only know one way, man, one speed. But hey,
0: was that throw by Max Johnson, the behind the back thing? Is that the greatest thing you've ever seen in your life? I'm just, it,
1: no, do you remember the Brock Purdy one last season? (laughs) (laughs) When he actually threw it to the defender, like helicoptered it to him for a pick six. (laughs) Do you remember that one? That was the, my favorite. If if Max Johnson would have spun around and backhand left-handed it, and it would have hit a fat defensive lineman in the chest, and he would have run for a touchdown, Rock then Heward it would have been my favorite.
0: was like, I don't even know what to say. That's the worst thing I've ever seen in my life. Don't ever do that as a quarterback. And I'm like, dude, it saved him like 18 yards. That's an incomplete pass. Next snap. Let's go. It's
1: yeah, a great that, play. That was, <laughs> yeah, it, it Hindsight. Nice play. If <laughs> now he wasn't looking and he threw it with his opposite hand or wait, did he, I don't know. Yes. You...
0: Yeah. He threw it like this. I'm pretty sure. Maybe wait, was, he's maybe a lefty, isn't he? Okay.
1: Is he now? I can't uh, remember. I can't either. Oh God. <laughs> Our brains are going, man. We're duped. But I, I will say I was, I was impressed with that offensive line from UCLA, right? Doing against Hawaii is one thing. Doing against the guys at LSU, it's another. And they were physical. They controlled the line of scrimmage. They ran it really well again with Charbonnet and Brown. Uh, those guys continue to be a nice one-two punch. DTR got a little more involved in the run game as well. He was better throwing the football. And they had more explosive plays in the passing game. Dude, that tied in. Greg Dulcich. That dude is fantastic. Yeah, that's gonna. That's that's what an early round pick tight end looks like right there. I mean, I he was, was catching and running. That guy is a baller.
0: I was uh, I was really impressed with how good UCLA looked. Um, shocked, frankly, that they've they've had that big of a turnaround. And I got to tell you, I'm sitting here looking at their schedule. At Stanford. Totally winnable at Arizona, at Washington, at Utah, at USC. Um, they they got Oregon at home. Uh, I'm I'm trying to find I'm trying to find a spot where I think they go down and they may be the best in the Pac-12 by by a decent margin.
1: They look good. They look good, but if it wasn't for Keishon Boutte. LSU may have gotten blown out. I mean, that guy was, he was awesome. And he looks like he's going to be the next great LSU wide receiver, but nice win. Nice win for Chip Kelly in the Bruins. Ted, for my loser of the weekend, thought about going with Randy Etzel. UConn lost to Holy Cross. And kind of got blown out by Holy Cross. That's an FCS school.
0: Did you see him try and get the whole team fired up and they all just kind of stood there?
1: I felt so bad. He stuck his yeah. hand in. No one put their hand in. Should
0: they just cancel football there? I, they announced basically that they were going to do that a couple of years ago, didn't they? Or last I just year, remember the them going
1: independent. I don't know. like, But, hey, that's all... <laughs> It's like wasn't even 24 hours after the game announced he's retiring after the season. (laughs) I don't blame him. Don't blame him. I played in a fiesta bowl against them 10 years ago. It's not like it was 30. It was 10 years ago. I mean, that's unbelievable. Who is quarterback in that game? I have no idea. Played offense. Huh? Wow. But it was it's hard to imagine like they were in a Fiesta Bowl ten years ago and on Saturday they lost the Holy Cross and it the Holy Cross kind of ran away with it in the fourth quarter.
0: They're they're challenging Kansas. You know, Kansas. Oh, they're worse than Kansas. Bowl.
1: Way worse.
0: I that decade of suck after the Orange Bowl that they made is impressive.
1: Yeah. All right, but my loser of the weekend, despite what UCLA did, is the Pac-12 Conference. And I thought about going with the ACC, you know, with Clemson and North Carolina losing. But, you know, I want to pick on the Pac-12. So UCLA gets a nice win against LSU. Well, then you look at Utah and Arizona State, who are supposed to be really good teams. Their games were way too close for far too long. USC was up 13 to seven heading into the fourth quarter against San Jose state, Oregon state, go beeves, lost to Purdue, who is an awful team. Washington lost to Montana. The Grizz who I actually played with a couple of different guys that played in Montana in the NFL. That's a prideful program. It's a very good FCS program but Washington shouldn't be losing to Montana. Cal Put lost seven to Nevada. Up on them. Cal lost to Nevada. Arizona lost to BYU. And Washington State lost to Utah State. Just in case you have forgotten, the Pac-12 is still the worst conference in the Power Five. Being part of the Alliance does not change that. There is not very good football played in that league by anyone not named Oregon. And I guess UCLA now. Now, Washington, I just... I don't know what their excuse is, but dude, that's a bad weekend for the Pac-12.
0: Oregon didn't even look good. No. Oregon looked bad. They about got beat. And their best player... Got scared out of the football game. Did you see that? Had a guy fall in the back of his leg, rolled his ankle, walked off the field fine, and was like, no, I'm done, man. (laughs) I'm I'm not going back in there and uh, screwing up a a draft pick. He checked himself out of the game uh, after a quick little scare. You're right, dude. The Pac-12, brutally bad. Brutally bad.
1: Well, on that note, episode one forty four in the books. We'll have a new podcast that'll drop Thursday morning. Western Carolina preview. All right. right, we're working. Uh, we're working on a a guest for that one, but you can hear Teddy from two to six on ninety four seven The Ref, and you can hear me from three to five on SiriusXM Big Twelve Radio channel three seventy five. Hope you all have a great week. Until next time, we appreciate you all for listening. Do what you always do, Oklahoma. Take care of each other.